What if your practice could take on 50% more clients without increasing headcount? What if you could save 5.5 hours per client every month? The future of accounting and bookkeeping has arrived, and its name is Dext. Dext combines real-time accurate data with tools to make your teams more efficient, allowing them to spend more time on billable services and less time on the basics. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, Dext, later in the episode. He went to business school, and then he got a job at Deloitte, and he hated it. He says, (laughs) yes, he says, I quote, I remember being in the offices of Deloitte, counting down the seconds until five o'clock or whatever time it would be that I could finally leave and just feeling miserable every day at the office, feeling like I wasn't where I wanted to be. He worked there for like eight months and then they did layoffs and he got laid off. And he said, quote, it was honestly in many ways a relief, unquote. And that's when he decided to pursue acting after working at Deloitte in Toronto. Deloitte in Canada turned this guy into a superhero. Today is Saturday, September 4th. This is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. Good morning, Blake. Good morning, David. Happy Labor Day weekend to you. Yes. This uh, this is always good weekends because I feel like a lot of listeners catch up on old episodes. I've noticed that. And then, of course, uh, the deadlines come up. Everyone disappears back into their hole of 9-15 and, what, October 15th? I don't even remember what the deadlines are because for the last two years, they've been changing so much. I did see that the folks in Louisiana impacted by the hurricane got an extension of some sort. So I guess I guess that's good. It's um, Yeah, we don't have any plans um, this Labor Day weekend, really. I'm driving up to Phoenix. My mom's 70th birthday is today, so once we're done recording, I'm getting in the car. But no uh, no extended weekend claims, plans. So can I, do I get to come to your mom's uh, birthday party too? You know, am I invited? You're coming it's to Phoenix. It's a drive for you. I mean, it's completely the other side of Phoenix. Yeah, it's a good hour for you. Oh, uh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. People don't realize that. Like, I mean, it's big, right? We're the size of Switzerland. Um, I have some good news, though. Uh, you know, I, I think I talk on the show about like my son being in school and we worry about COVID and masks and all that stuff. So interesting bit of data. Obviously, it's just one school district. So who knows if this is representative of what's actually going on. But they they put masks in place in Scottsdale a couple of weeks ago. And since then, they've got now their first like trended 14 days of data, and the cases are way down at uh, Scottsdale Unified School District. We're very happy about that, obviously. And, you know, he came home with the sniffles, congested. And so uh, they now have these at-home COVID tests. Have you seen these? You can get them at CVS and Walgreens. Yeah, um, that's from uh, Abbott, right? The the antigen test. So it's great because we, like, went in and got, I don't know, I think you get two back packets, so you get like four or five tests. And of course, now they're all sold out everywhere. <laughs> so we have two left and we're holding on to them for when we really need them. Uh, but um, yeah, that's it. We're just going to hang out. I had two kids get sick. They came back with negative COVID test, negative strep test. I'm actually somewhat, I'm confused because they had masks from day one at school. <laughs> it's kind of, it, it makes you wonder, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, well, your kids it, are a little older. How are people older. getting normal sick? Even. Your kids are a little older. Like, are they really complying at school? Like, I could totally see all the kids just like taking I'm, their masks off. I'm actually surprised. Um, even last night, uh, we went to a high school football game and mm-hmm. it's outdoor and, and, you, and masks are optional. And the amount, the students really probably wore masks more than the adults. You know, we should get straight to the app news this week, I think, because the big news was Intuit and MailChimp. And 
This could be a big deal, right? Because we- well, well, it's big because it could be $10 billion big, right? This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by ClientHub. Are you looking for an amazingly simple way to manage both your internal workflow and your external client communication? Introducing ClientHub, the only workflow solution that automates getting clients' answers because it has client communications built in. ClientHub is a modern all-in-one workflow platform with a built-in client portal for secure client collaboration that automates client requests for everything you need to complete your work and includes an internal workspace for your team to manage those work deadlines, and it even includes tools to help your team do the work faster. Your clients will love the easy-to-use ClientHub web portal and mobile app. When using ClientHub, everything is in one place. Your staff and your clients are always in the loop, and nothing falls through the cracks. ClientHub currently has an amazing offer just for our listeners, 25% off your first three months by using promo code CAP25. Head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash clienthub. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash C-L-I-E-N-T-H-U-B. Biggest acquisition in into its history. So, shall we? Yeah, let's jump in. Yeah, so there's a report. So it's not confirmed anywhere, but it was all over the place. It was on Twitter. This uh, this is from Fast Company, totally legit magazine. Uh, the reports came out of Bloomberg. Rumor is there's a talk. There's talks between Intuit and Mailchimp for Intuit to purchase Mailchimp or purchase a major stake in Mailchimp. Mailchimp is also possibly chatting with others, and it's ten ten billion dollar. Deal. Ten million dollars and all it, rumors, like you said, all rumors. But you know, credit karma happened. You know, they, it, it doesn't take many days later until they, these things actually come up because usually they, these mainstream media they won't publish it unless they've mm-hmm. confirmed three or four unnamed sources. Probably right. It's not. This wasn't a tweet. It wasn't some crazy. It wasn't the Cloud Accounting Podcast speculating something. <laughs> right. This was uh, you know real deal reported uh, news article. But it's weird because then everybody, a couple people on Twitter, and people are just really confused by this. And I understand why, because I used to use MailChimp years ago when I had my very first email list. I used to do a newsletter called Cloud Accounting Weekly, and that, that was the precursor to the show. And you built this on MailChimp. So it's because MailChimp is kind of like a good entry level, I need to do some email marketing. That's and, and that's what it really was for years. It was just email newsletters and lists, and that's it. But it's gone way bigger than that. I, I recently checked it out again because I was like considering alternatives to our current provider. And I see now they do a whole lot more than just email. Well, and that's where I started digging around because I know that a lot of times people think in a way QuickBooks is their CRM. For a lot of small businesses, like that's why it's always hard to sell them a CRM or an add-on CRM. And I remember going through the app store processes and these CRMs would wonder why QuickBooks users aren't adopting them. It's because QuickBooks just does, does enough of a CRM where maybe you don't need a CRM. Right. You've got their purchase history. You've got their email, their phone. You can put notes in there. That's what most businesses need, right? And Intuit is actually even added additional features to make it more CRM-ish. Now, one thing it doesn't do, it doesn't do mail list and all that. And so that kind of makes sense a little bit. But then really digging in, I was like, why would they buy this? Because it, it, it feels very out of the 
just out of left field, to be honest. Yeah, like why, why would they need an email? Like it's, it doesn't seem like accounting <laughs> or finance or anything with payments or invoicing. It's marketing. So within like two Twitter searches, like first I went to the MailChimp search and then I searched and then I looked, uh, clicked on their founder, Ben Chestnut. And he had a tweet from about five days ago that says, our customers have created over 10,000 MailChimp stores since we launched the feature three months ago. And we're continuing to add more e-commerce and marketing features so entrepreneurs have everything they need to start and grow from us. And that tweet is the reason Intuit's interested. Because if you remember, in, we've talked about this, the threat of Shopify. Remember yes. we talked uh, yes. how right before the pandemic, Intuit tried to buy big commerce and the deal fell through. Mm-hmm. Intuit wants to have e-commerce shopping carts and e-commerce stores. Makes total sense, right? Why why not have that? It's the future of, uh, it's like the next generation of invoicing. It's like let people have a website where the stuff can just get purchased online. And so now I think this this is the play. Now now do the math on this. So Intuit's going to spend $10 billion to get 10,000 e-commerce stores shopping well, carts? That's, yeah. And the, well, that's, they're buying the tech, right? I mean, they're that's what- the tech. The yeah. Team. So, and if you go to MailChimp.com and you look at their products, it's really well done. MailChimp has always had very good marketing. They say right under products, we'll help you. And it's two things. One is get your business online. And then one is market your business. So the market your business, that's the old stuff. The email, they added landing page. They now do some social media stuff. That's like the old traditional digital marketing. The get your business online part includes websites and then there's a big new sticker right above online stores and a new sticker on appointment scheduling. So it's it's online stores. And then for service providers, what is your online store? It's, well, people can schedule appointments with you, right? So yeah, I think you're totally right, David. You Where's the pricing on the MailChimp website? On the online stores? So I just didn't, oh, there's pricing, I found it. Yeah, so if they have a, they have a ton of different pricing plans because uh, they have all these different products. But basically, you can get a website for e-commerce for $29 per month that has most of the features that you need. See, so, so Intuit has flirted in this space for a long time, you know, and they even bought Demand Force that they wound up selling eventually. And they they they, they used to own a, a website hosting company called um, Homestead. Actually, that's how I got my domain originally. Every time somebody signed up for QuickBooks, you had to register a domain um, for one of the versions of QuickBooks desktop back in the day. But like Demand Force, was very, it was like the min, the minimum price was $300 a month and had all these marketing tools and calendar scheduling and booking. And it was kind of a suite of stuff for your small business, but that's a hard sell. If somebody spends $300 a year on QuickBooks and now you're going to convince them to spend $300 a month on a product. So it does feel like in general, the MailChimp pricing point and the set of features is a good accent for QuickBooks. Yeah. It's, it's similar type of pricing, probably very similar customers. Most of the the QuickBooks sweet spot, I imagine, is it's not the micro businesses, it's not the freelancers, it's the businesses that have a handful of employees, probably like yep. one to ten employees. Well, you know this better than I do, David, right? And and that that very much seems to be the Mailchimp target market as well. So so um, some more numbers with this deal. Yeah, so maybe this makes a lot more sense than the initial reaction. What do you mean? Well, I think the initial reaction was like, this is crazy. It may, like, it doesn't yeah, make yeah. sense. But now, like, digging in a little, this makes a lot of sense. It makes a ton of sense. So let's let's talk about the numbers. So okay. $10 billion is what's being tossed around there. Again, this is all just rumors, according to people familiar with the matter, as they say. $10 billion. MailChimp had about $300 million in earnings 
before interest taxes, depreciation, and amortization in 2020. So that would give them about a 33x multiple on this deal, which would be pretty awesome for MailChimp. Intuit, by contrast, paid $7.1 billion for Credit Karma. So this would be the biggest deal in Intuit's history. Of course, their stock price is up, what, like 50% this year? I, I think it's like $550 shares. It was ridiculous. So if they're trading equity, right, it's not a cash deal, then totally would make sense for Intuit to do that. So imagine like someday being able to sign up for QuickBooks and you get an online store that's already connected to QuickBooks. And when people buy stuff on that store, it updates your inventory in QuickBooks. Now that they have QuickBooks, was it QuickBooks Commerce? Yep. We've got that inventory management system. So that's all tied into the website. And then all the transactions are syncing. Everything's reconciling correctly. I mean, this is the e-commerce dream, right? The biggest pain point for e-commerce in accounting. And the reason that a lot of people have trouble doing it is just because these integrations are always breaking. And this is like 10, in, 10 acquisitions at once because they're getting scheduling. Like you mm-hmm. go through the QuickBooks app store, there's yeah. scheduling apps, you know, that now that, that they just get that out of the box, you get a scheduling app. Oh, website builder, you get that. Email marketing, you get that. Oh, uh, your shopping cart for your e-commerce site, you get that. Like <laughs> This is like 10 acquisitions yeah. at once for Intuit. Yeah. Now, pulling it all together and do one smooth, amazing you know, thing, that's going to be the challenge, right? That's always the challenge with these things. But they, this is a pretty big deal. And it, and it makes a sense on so many fronts because MailChimp does so much more than just mail now. We also have big news out of Zero, not in the US though, in the UK. Zero released Zero Tax in the UK about a year and a half ago for businesses. So accountants in the UK who do the books on Zero can also use Zero to file tax returns for their business clients. They hadn't yet done personal and they just now added that. So, and this is all important because in the UK, I remember even when I went to the QuickBooks Connect at the UK, they actually had the person in charge of the Her Majesty's Royal the basically Tax IRS, Collectors. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's a, they're making tax digital. So they have like a deadline of where nothing can go paper anymore in the UK. And so this is kind of that March and zero is taking part in that. Mm-hmm. And so now they, they're calling it an end-to-end solution. So you can do the books, you can then send all of that data into the forms in the tax software, which of course looks beautiful, just like zero, and probably would blow away most accountants here in the US who are used to using desktop tax software because that's most of the products out there, unfortunately, right? There's not so if I'm using like zero HQ, instead of it only having my small business clients, if I have personal tax clients, now I'm utilizing the same tech stack. I don't have to keep those stored somewhere else and the data and the forms, it's all one spot. That's it. And and this is the value of Zero, right? And this is why they're doing so well internationally is that they they solve this end-to-end problem for accountants. And I forgot to mention the most important part. This is all free for accountants in the partner program. So you buy Zero, the subscription for Zero covers the tax filings. Imagine if your tax software here in the US, imagine, imagine if it was free when you paid for QuickBooks or you paid for Zero. We're used to paying thousands and thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars a year, or in the case of big firms, hundreds or millions for tax software, and they're rolling it all in. So that's the value prop internationally, and that's why Zero has grown so you know, well and done well with accountants because they're that end-to-end solution there. Yeah, they they have the end-to-end, end-to-end solution there, the yeah. same thing in Down Under, but in the States, they don't, but QuickBooks kind of does the full stack. So. I can't remember the percentages. Intuit's online tax uh, software 
is not as popular here as it, like it's not the most popular, but if you use that, you can roll the QuickBooks stuff into that, right? Yep. So, yeah. So, so if you, yeah, if, if you're built on the QuickBooks stack and you're mostly small business cast type stuff, it's a really nice fit. If you're doing personal, eh, there's not, there's not a lot of tie-in to the QuickBooks stuff at all, right? Um, so, so then you're just using those as a standalone product. Another small update from Zero, almost not worth mentioning, but I don't know, it's an annoyance. Uh, in the Zero iOS app now, you can reconcile both spend money and receive money transactions at the same time when you're doing find and match. So this comes in really handy when there are bank fees associated with some sort of transaction and you need to like match a single transaction in the feed with multiple in and out transactions in zero. Yeah. Now you can do that on the Andro- on the iOS app and Android's coming soon. So previously you'd always have to go to the website and log into the yeah. mobile the browser to do that type of work. I, I always wondered, like, with, with this kind of software, because you have to build a dedicated app, all the features that you release in your web app version, you then have to go build into the iOS and Android apps because they have different, like, user interfaces. So it's almost like you're you're trying to build multiple products at the same time. And I wonder, you know, like, to me, I would just, I, I prefer to log into Zero on a tablet when I'm out and about. Or even on my phone, I'll just log in on the web version. <laughs> And like turn my phone sideways and just try to use it because you never know what's going to be in the mobile app versus in the desktop. Yeah. And I think even QuickBooks has a similar problems, right? Because in a way, like you just need on the mobile app what you need to do when you're on the road doing things mobily. But but there's always going to be that one person that's like, why doesn't it have every feature? But you're right. The workaround's pretty simple. Just most of these apps work really nice on the web browser in your phone on your, on your web. So you can just do that instead. They've gotten they a lot better. They scale. Yeah. All, all the apps scale and they, they fit pretty well. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Dext. Providing your clients with timely and accurate insights may be your most important jobs as a trusted advisor. For most, giving insights is easy, but giving both timely and accurate insights is much more challenging. This is where the one, two, and now third punch of Dext comes in. Dext Prepare will help you be timely. Dext Prepare will quickly capture all the receipts, bills, and statements to easily and automatically enter the data directly into the accounting system of your choice. Dex Precision will help you be accurate. By finding anomalies and cleaning the data in the accounting system, Dex Precision also tracks your client's data health and performance metrics and provides powerful custom reports, including pivot tables. Dex Commerce will help you be both. On the expense side, it can fetch additional details from many transactions, including adding any missing data to existing transactions. And on the sales side, it can automatically import transactions from some of the most popular e-commerce shopping carts. To learn how your firm can save an average of 5.5 hours per client each month, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash dext. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash D-E-X-T. Accountants and bookkeepers make better business with dext. Hey, so speaking of mobile apps, something super cool is coming to iOS, Apple devices. In our state, David, Apple has announced the first states to adopt driver's licenses and state IDs in Apple Wallet. This means that you could conceivably, in Arizona, in not too long, leave your physical driver's license or ID at home. And if somebody needs to see it to check your ID, you just show them your phone. Like anything else that we have on our phones, digital driver's licenses. 
the first states to do this are Arizona, Connecticut, Georgia, Iowa, Kentucky, Maryland, Oklahoma, and Utah. I'm kind of surprised that actually like Arizona is one of the states because, well, I don't know. I I think I saw something in the news though. Apple announced they're going to open some some business here as well. So there might have been a a scratch your back deal done here. Um, Some some plants, some... You know, some manufacturing facility, I don't know specifically, but Apple's opening something in the state of Arizona and it could be a scratch your back thing. Like we'll bring our business there and bring jobs if you adopt this technology. So the thing that I'm looking forward to using this for is when I'm traveling, I don't have to like get out my wallet. Yeah. I, think, I, I always forget to do that. And I'm always like scrambling. Oh, where's my wallet? I forgot to get that out. <laughs> but that'll be okay. Like at the TSA, because I think the TSA is adopting that. But what if you're flying into the States or another country or in your different state? Just because Arizona says you can digitize your driver's license, that doesn't mean other places you go are going to accept that, right? Right, right. It's only these states at, at, at the moment. And does it mention if these states are reciprocal? So if Arizona jumps on this, Utah will accept this as a form of ID or Utah only accepts the Utah driver's license? That's a good question. I don't know. We don't know yet. It's still early. Okay. What else? What else we got in app news? Neat. So back in the day, so let's, let's take a time machine back to like 2002 these scanners started coming out to scan receipts and it was called the neat receipt scanner. Neat receipt sc- I saw these ads on TV. They'd be on like CNBC during the middle of the day. And like- they were really for Quicken users. They were really geared towards personal use. And then just like everything, you know, people would use Quicken for business and it kind of slowly evolved. And then they actually in 2016 completely got out of the hardware market. So, so that's crazy. In 2002, they launched their hardware scanners. It got really successful. They made a lot of money, obviously. Because they were serving this market of you know freelancers, small business owners, personal finance people that weren't served by like Fujitsu, which made the big business expensive scanners. And then within you know a decade and a half, that had all gone away because of phones. People scanning stuff on phones. So they so they got out of that. They actually purchased um, an expense photograph expense app that was actually integrated with QuickBooks. They purchased that, and that's kind of evolved over time. And, and to be honest, like a lot of their offering before scanning, re- scanning bills, their receipt scanning, and compared to the other like Dext and Auto Entry and the other players in the market, it was kind of a little bit below average, frankly. Um, it, it just wasn't great. And then my understanding is a lot of people that still use the neat scanner, the majority of the use cases were like women in the Midwest scanning recipes. Like it just didn't <laughs> have a lot of as much traction as you think it, sh- it, it should. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but they've been just chipping away, chipping away, chipping away very quietly. And they had a, two, a major announcement this week. They announced two new products. Um, basically, it's called NeatBooks. And NeatBooks has two sub products. One is Neat Invoices. And the second product is um, Neat Files. So, Neat Files is kind of their old scanner. Take a fit an image on your phone, your mobile device, upload your financial documents, it sorts them, puts them in. Neat Invoice is an, is an invoicing product, so you can get paid. They're using um, WePay, which is now owned by Chase, to power some of the payments on that. And then now they've also launched Neat Books, which is basically kind of bank feeds accounting, and they're going to automatically do reconciliations. So it just came out of nowhere. Yeah, so Neat, the scanner company, is now a, a GL that is competing with probably... FreshBooks, Zero, QuickBooks. Now we got NeatBooks. A lot quick, fresh, and neat. I wonder if there are any other words left that you could pair with books. Yeah, and what'll be interesting is to see where somewhere there's going to be a, a transition line. Like everybody and their brother is doing this like cash basis bank feed accounting, and it's just good enough. 
right? They're like, you know, even this, they said they're going to include profit and loss, cash flow, balance sheet, expenses, spending summaries, tax categories. But there's a fine line of where QuickBooks and Zero are going to be a, a level above these apps. Will accountants adopt when these clients come in and they're on neat books? Are you going to keep them on that or are you going to move them off of these cash basis, bank feed accounting products? So this is, I mean, I can't really tell from the website, but it looks like it is single entry. It's not, it can't be double entry accounting here. Pricing is, well, neat invoices is free. And they, like you said, the payments are coming through WePay. So that must be, they must and you be get it all money. if you get the books. If you get the, the neat books products, you get everything. And neat books is 40 bucks a month. Neat files is 30 bucks a month. But if you do neat books for 40, you get neat files too? Yeah, that's and so I could see it's like a it's a good way for them to move them. Even if somebody doesn't use the bookkeeping parts, it's a good way for them to move their margin by ten bucks a month. Because right, instead, you if, say, you, if somebody discovers, yeah, I want the neat files, well, ten bucks more. All right, I'll just use that. Yeah, spend it. Interesting. Now, did you see the screenshots of this? It looks really clean. It's very very clean. I do like this kind of concept they have across the top, where it's basically each month and it's coded between like open, ready to close, and closed. So you kind of, instead of viewing your bank feed as one huge bank feed, you kind of attack things one month at a time, which is kind of interesting. Uh, the one thing is they, they, they definitely are confusing these words reconciled a little bit too much with, you know, small business owners. They're, they're, they're saying re- matching is reconciling. And they're playing reconciliation up as something, like even in the menu, I mean, it's, it basically has a menu on the left, invoices, transactions, reconciliation. Small businesses don't care about reconciliation. <laughs> no, they don't. And, and so it'll be interesting how they position this because that's their mm-hmm. uh, kind of their marketing message a little bit and their functionality, like, oh, the reconciliation. But I can tell you this just even from on the Melio side, like yeah. we launched Melio and we send bill payments to QuickBooks and we didn't send the check number because when we first launched Melio, Melio really only talked to small business owners and small business owners don't reconcile. So as soon as accountants started using it, we're like, hey, where's the check number? And then we had to send the check number over. So do you think this is taking on the Quicken market? This is going to be like, that's what they're going to try and penetrate, right? Quicken users? Well, I think it's that the the FreshBooks users, it's that that entry level. I have a bank account. I need some invoicing, which is really a lot of small businesses. Now, what's interesting though, is a lot of the people that are at this level they co-mingle their funds. Right, right. And that's what I think a lot of these cash basis products don't have. They don't have an easy like way to flop your personal spending out of your numbers. To hide. Well, you know, not you to hide only... it, not to hide it, just to, you well, know. Uh, and... Well, not to report on it, right? You want to, so, I mean, this is where single entry accounting actually wins against double entries. When you have commingling of funds, you can just import a, personal account, flag all the personal stuff and stick it in some category that you exclude from reports. And it's very easy because you're not messing around with like a balance sheet where that all gets wonky with, you know, equity and all that stuff. That's what like QuickBooks Self-Employed does really well. It's like basically a swipe left, swipe right. You just exclude the stuff that's not business related. All right. Well, we got to keep moving because we got a lot to talk about. So um, FreshBooks, since we're talking about all the the books companies, <laughs> FreshBooks has released some updates in August. They now have team cost rates and billable rates. So this allows you to be more uh, detailed with how you calculate your profitability and your margins. So set costs for teams and then billable rates for different teams. There are also more ways to track project profitability now. 
with their summary report and details report. You can also accept payments through PayPal, and you can easily convert estimates and proposals directly into projects. So what is the big takeaway here? It seems like FreshBooks is really investing in projects, profitability, projects, projects, projects. Square has announced they're going to do a subscription service for called Invoices Plus. So instead of just having the free invoicing software that Square has, they're going to now have a subscription product called Invoices Plus. And I tried to dig in because I was like, oh, is this the next step to their GL product, their full-blown stack? But it doesn't look like it is yet. But their Invoices Plus is really going to have a lot of useful features, multi-page estimates, custom invoice templates, custom invoice fields. You can automatically convert your estimate to an invoice. And then you can build a milestone or progress invoicing, right? So, hey, pay me like a construction type invoice, right? Uh, uh, as the project has been completed, you could roll that out. Now, as, as you're adding these real features to this product, the next step is a GL, right? Like they, they, this is deep invoice functionality that's like in QuickBooks. So, so do we know what this is going to cost? Or this just leaked because it was in their terms of service or something? It half leaked because a little bit's in the code, a little bit is in the... Um, so they reached out for comment to Square. So Square confirmed that... Square confirmed to TechCrunch, Invoices Plus is a software subscription and the company plans to announce shortly, but the company did not want to share any more details until the news is official. Okay. So it's pretty clear this is coming. Um, there's code that shows it's coming, but they don't have any um, you know, hints at price or anything. So you, you went through the features real quick. I'm just... I just want to make sure I, I understand. So multi-package estimates, custom invoice templates, and custom invoice fields. Okay. I can see people wanting to pay to have custom fields. That's like one of the most popular things when it comes to customizing invoices. It's like I, my business has this unique thing. I need to put in somebody's ID number for this particular type of business I have. I have to put it on the invoice custom fields. And it keeps you from leaving Square. So if you're using Square to do a little bit of basic invoicing, and now you're like, oh, I need these features. I'll switch to QuickBooks. This keeps them on. Maybe you don't switch. Yep. It keeps you on Square just a little bit longer. Smart. Vic AI, an AI-powered accounting automation platform, has raised $50 million in a Series B financing round with participation from GGV Capital, Cowboy Ventures, and Costa Nova Ventures. This is interesting. In the story in VentureBeat, the quote is, Pivoting away from its initial focus on accounting professionals, Vic says it'll use the capital to expand its existing enterprise offering as well as build out its financial intelligence engine. What does Vic AI do, David? So they, uh, it's bill scanning. So it's similar to Dext or auto entry. It's, it's scanning of bills. It's a little done a little differently. They're definitely higher volume. They're targeting in-house accounting departments, they're targeting, they were targeting bigger accounting firms that have big clients. So corporate America, and then big firms with lots and, of And volume. they're really trying to bet just to do, AI is going to do most of the work. And so it's kind of like all AI in general, right? Mm -hmm. The way Receipt Bank or Dext and Auto Entry did it, they would scan and then they had bodies in India validating data. You had human powered verification. Vic AI doesn't have that. So if you're, you're let's say you're your controller at a Fortune 5000, Fortune 500 company using Vic AI, thousands of invoices going in. Somebody on your staff is the one that's, oh, it didn't scan this field. You're teaching it. And so if you think about Dext and auto entry, that's more like OCR as a service. Right, right. right. This is really like, hey, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's almost like the traditional scanning software packages. It's just, it's in the cloud. Maybe it's a little bit better. It's easier to use. It syncs and connects to other things. What's interesting though is I think the pivot 
Yeah. And I think it's really interesting because you look at like um, Botkeeper. Botkeeper went the other way. Went the other way. So everybody's kind of in this, like we're going to automate this pre-accounting, if you want to call it that, to steal that term from Expensify or whoever started that. This this scanning, getting the data prepared to stick in the accounting system. It's interesting that one of these companies went away from the businesses to accounting firms. And now this one's going away from accounting firms to the businesses. Well, what I think that says is true based on my experience. It's hard to do both. Selling to accountants and selling directly to corporate finance teams or to small businesses, all three of those things are different. Yep. <laughs> and you can't do them well, all well. So you have to prioritize one and then do the other. If you're going to do the other, you do it to some extent, but you don't make it your primary. You can't have two primary channels. It's just not possible. So, And that's a pretty big round. I mean, I, I think uh, at one time, Receipt Bank took that $55 million round. Yeah. HubDoc was sold to zero for $70 million. So this is a pretty big round in this space because I think they already took money before. They raised a total of 63. They've raised a total of 63. So that 50 is included in the 63. So they yes. had previously only raised $13 million through the Series A, adding $50 million, $63 million total. Where are they at in terms of size? ARR is $5 million. They say that grew three times year over year. So they 3x their ARR in, in one year, and then they expect to double the size of their 35-person workforce to 67 by the end of the year. They currently serve more than 4,000 corporate finance and accounting clients and have processed more than three more than 535 million invoices to date. Yeah, I think like they, they from us, who their fit is, like people that have 500 bills a month. Yeah. Makes more. sense. That's kind of the market they're in. So it's so it's not the QuickBooks Zero market, probably who do six to ten bills a month, right? They're definitely way up market. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Approval Max. During my career, I've worked on both ends of the AP process from the scanning of the bills, and now paying of bills. Repeatedly, the one thing that I've heard over and over again is what about the approval of bills? This is where Approval Max comes in. Approval Max enables flexible multi-step approvals for key accounts payable documents. By using Approval Max, you can ensure a bill is approved before it ever gets entered into QuickBooks Online. Approval requests can be routed based on QBO data like vendor, amounts, category, and class. Then once the bill is approved, it'll move to the accounting system to be paid and it'll even include an attached audit trail documenting the approval details. Approval Max makes approvers work easier as well with automated notifications and a mobile app. Approval Max offers direct integration with Dex Prepare to ensure you have completely paperless accounts payable process from capturing to approving to paying. If you want to learn more about Approval Max and to get your free partner edition of Approval Max, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash approval max. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash A-P-P-R-O-V-A-L-M-A-X. So let's talk about AI and scanning things. And that's kind of exciting and strange at some level. So do you know like in the movies, you, you like all the uh, CSI, all those kind of shows like that, that have been around for the last decade. Mm -hmm. And they have a blurry picture of a license plate and they have some <laughs> magic computer on the TV show that makes, makes it so you can read the license plate. Enlarge and enhance. Okay, boss. 
right? And, yeah. and they're like, oh, yeah, I can see the mustache on the guy now. And we know who that person is. We can identify them from yeah, this yeah. pixelated photo. Well, apparently Google has figured out how to do this. So I put a link in so you could check this out and everybody will have to go to the link. But it's essentially that. They can take an old pixelated photo. Maybe you scanned a photo or took a photo with your very first camera phone. Mm-hmm. And they can turn it into a high-res photo. With AI? Super resolution photo. Oh my God. Wow. And so where this kind of ties in is like, okay, because a lot of the problem with these OCR apps is people take crappy photo of receipts. They don't have a good photo of the receipt. The rece- right. It can yeah. put them together better now. And if it can, uh, it can, if it can fix the receipt and fix the crappy photo, because clients suck at taking photos of the receipts, this actually could actually benefit us as an industry. Well, you know where it's going to help accountants. The number one complaint I see regarding uh, clients submitting documents is they'll they'll like take a picture of a tax notice they got from the IRS, but it'll be like sideways and very like small and at an angle, and you can't read the text. Or scan the PDFs of bank feeds. People are horrible at scanning bank. Yeah, PDFs. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that can like enlarge and enhance, and then we can actually read that stuff without having to teach them how to hold a phone properly when you're taking a picture. So you have to just go into to the link in the show notes. Stop what you're doing. Put, pause, put the podcast on pause and just go watch this. It's completely the same crap they've been showing in CSI for a decade. It's really working now. So if they don't want to go to the uh, uh, show notes, is there something they can just search on Google? Since it is a Google thing, I'm sure it'll show up, right? Uh, the, so the title of the article is called Watch Google's Superpowered AI Turn Pixelated Photos into High Res. So choose some of those keywords, type that into Google, you'll probably find it. This was this is really cool. I'm going to check this out. Maybe I'll try this with some of my old Instagram photos. <laughs> Canopy is integrating with QuickBooks Online. Canopy is tax practice management software. Now, you can sync Canopy with QuickBooks Online, allowing accountants to sync their contacts, service items, and invoices, and process payments and deposits between the two systems. How does it work exactly? Users can track time by service items, create an invoice, convert the track time into a line item on an invoice, and share the invoice with clients. So so this is this so is you int- can, if you're using um, Canopy to run your practice and you want to bill your clients, you can just sync the data you need to create your invoice and build it. Yeah. And, well, and one thing that's unique about Canopy versus the other practice management solutions is they actually have invoicing in Canopy. So now... Like if you actually want to reconcile that though, you then got to copy that into QuickBooks, right? But now it'll sink in, I guess is the idea. And this is smart, right? Like the more you integrate within, the more sticky your app is, right? Because if somebody's using Canopy or maybe they're, you know, looking at Intuit Pro Series and they're like, oh, Pro Series just integrates with QuickBooks, I'm in. But now Canopy can say, oh, we integrate with too. So you get to the same end, right? So that just makes Canopy a more compelling offer, right? The more things you integrate with. Baker Tilly is acquiring accounting tech services company ACT2, A-C-C-T-T-W-O. Baker Tilly is a top 25 accounting firm. And with this acquisition, the reason this is app news is that they are going to become one of the leading business partners of Sage Intact. ACT2 has been named partner of the year for seven years by Sage Intact. They're one of the largest value-added resellers of Intact and a managed service provider for that company. So Baker Tilly, top 25 firm headquartered in Chicago, now the largest, if not, well, one of the largest, I don't know if they're the largest uh, Sage Intact partner once this deal closes effective October 1st. Just shows you how important technology is becoming 
to accounting firms in the uh, upper end of the market. All this stuff that we've been doing in the QuickBooks Zero world, that is all happening in these top firms. Intact, of course, being the you know, solution of choice for many uh, accounting firms, given their partner program they've got. So that, that next, the next layer up, right? When you move yeah, out you, of QuickBooks and Zero. Yeah, you go work for a top 100 firm. This is the software that you'd use for those larger clients that need multi-dimensionality, that need instant consolidations. Like one of the cool things about Intact that I just love, uh, for those who aren't familiar with it, is you can have multiple entities under a, I don't know what they call it exactly, but you have like a parent entity. And then you can have all the all the uh, like LLCs under that or all the companies, the related companies in there as well. And so all the intercompany transactions that you would normally have to eliminate in spreadsheets and you'd have to have multiple QuickBooks files for, you can have all in the same Sage Intact like access point. You can access them all in the same place and they're all tracked together. So yep. it's, it's that multiple GL thing. Consolidated reports, multiple companies, multiple divisions, yeah. Yeah, complicated businesses where there's like a dozen entities across multiple states and you know all that stuff that gets really fancy. So yeah. So are you familiar with NCR? Uh, doesn't ring a bell. You ever use an ATM machine? I just did yesterday. Okay, so most of those are made by NCR. So they, <laughs> I, I have. Funny enough, though, I haven't used uh, an ATM machine in like I don't know how long. I couldn't remember. I had to go just to like get a hundred bucks so I have at least some cash on hand. And they're an old tech company. I think my first network card I put in a computer was made by NCR, right? Like so, they've been around for a very, very long time. Um, mm-hmm. But they also build. You've heard of uh, Aloha Point of Sale, which is very popular. Mm-hmm. And a lot of restaurants use it. Okay. So this is an article from Reforming Retail, and it's just a scathing article about NCR. Apparently, well, A, ATM usage is way down. The amount of new ATMs being rolled out. In 2015, the amount of new ATMs that got rolled out was uh, 250,000. And three years later, only 36,000 new ATMs got rolled out. So like, wow. ATM usage, and that was just in China. Like Everything's moving to digital phones, digital dollar. Like, yeah, yeah. People are not using ATMs. So, so that's not good for them. But then NCR is kind of on that decline where they just keep laying people off to stretch out their life. And what they've done is their next gen uh, Aloha point of sale, they called it Aloha next gen, which in theory would be like their cloud point of sale to compete with Toast and all these other online point of sales that are out there. They've just completely pulled the plug on it. So if you have uh, your clients on Aloha point of sale and you've been waiting for some cloud effort, it's not happening. They're giving so, up. Wow. You know, start looking at Toast and your your late speeds and your Revels and your um, squares. Like You probably need to start looking for other solutions because Aloha... It's not happening. I have one more app news story. This is the IRS. And it has to do with the child tax credit portal. This was back in August. They added a feature to the online portal for the child tax credit, allowing parents to update the mailing address where they should receive the monthly payments. So if your clients have not been receiving their monthly child tax credit allowance or advance or whatever you want to call it, you can now go to that uh, portal and and update the address. You know, this is the, this is that one of those things that has been keeping the IRS really busy. Part of the reason why they've been so slow to chip away at those past um not past due um tax returns that are stuck in the queue, right? That are causing everyone grief. So we we still got millions and millions of tax returns that need to be manually processed at the IRS. They're chipping away at them, but at this rate, I have uh, one last article I think for our app news about Plaid. Okay. So Plaid's chief technology officer, Jean-Denis Grizzy, I'm, hopefully I'm not blowing the French here on this, he <laughs> uh, had an interview, and this is an article on payments.com, and 
it's really uh Plaid really thinks of themselves in a very high and mighty way. It's the vibe I got from this article. Um, so all of us, like when we talk about Plaid, so this is when you go to connect a bank account. Now in QuickBooks, it's not in QuickBooks, but in many apps you use, you'll use Plaid to connect a bank account. By connecting to Plaid, you, sometimes it's the bank feed, sometimes an app just pulls the balance. Sometimes that data is pulled to give over to a bank for loans, right? But Plaid, Plaid basically is bank feeds data, if you want to think about it that way. It's a bank feeds API that lots and lots of apps use. They're, they're really starting to become the middleman and you know, arguing like, hey, they'll get the data, they'll clean it up, they'll classify the data and make it available on a need-to-know basis. They, basically, the argument is nobody has a full picture. Banks have a lot of data, but they really don't have a full picture and they want to be the middleman. So they claim they go beyond what other everybody else would do and, what, and when it comes to classification. And you know, they leverage AWS machine learning to categorize the transactions at scale. They're going to deliver better insights. And... The financial service providers, right? So the banks will be able to utilize this to make better de- decisions, loans, refunds, and debit card rewards, and that type of stuff. But they really are arguing like that the banks are ba- both the consumers and providers of the data. Banks can make their data available to others, but in return, they're able to access other data they don't have. So it's just a, you know, the quote is specifically, we want everybody to be a supplier and a customer of our data, which is just like, they want to be the middleman. They want to own everybody's data. And I mean, do you ever read, like when you go through and add an account in Plaid, do you read the agreements of what you're submitting to? I mean, the reason they're providing the service is because they're going to mine all of our data, right? <laughs> That's what they're Pretty doing. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, they they yeah. have a quote, which I think is funny because I always thought, you know, I go back to like old tweets of mine. I always said like, in the future, the use case is going to be who owns the data. It's my data, right? And so he has a quote in here that says, it's not the bank's data, it's the consu- customer's data. But I don't think that's true. I think the quote it's is, Plaid's it's data. not the bank's data, it's Plaid's data. <laughs> like, that's the real quote that they, they didn't uh, finish the sentence. Yeah. So it's just something to like, kind of think about as we go down these marches, like, is Plaid going to be too powerful? Everything's all tr- finance tech transactions are going to move through Plaid? I mean, with that data, it's got to be so valuable. I wonder what they could do with it. It just, I mean... That's why, uh, what, Visa was trying to buy Plaid for all that money, right? $5 billion or something, which probably is $30 billion now based on the way that crazy valuations have been going with some of these neo-bank companies. And all those neo-bank companies are built on Plaid. They have to be because they, they can't build their own feeds, yeah. It's really scary a little bit how much dependency we might have on Plaid here soon. So speaking of companies that are worth billions of dollars, $5 billion for Plaid, $10 billion for MailChimp, all these millions for Vic AI. What do you think the Marvel Cinematic Universe has has made as of August 2021? Take a guess. It's got to be like $2 trillion. I mean, between the t-shirts and the little figurines and the merchandise and the movies, like, and this is like, we're talking like 40 movies in the franchise now, right? Uh, a little, A little fewer than that. 23 movies, still wow. a lot of movies in 12 years. Uh, the movies alone have grossed worldwide box office revenue of 23 million 23 billion US dollars. So <laughs> a lot a lot of money. And what's the connection to accounting you might ask? Well, there is a new Marvel superhero movie coming out called Shang-Chi and the Legend of the 10 Rings. And I I just have a feeling this is going to be the biggest Marvel movie yet given the importance of the Chinese market now like with billion billions of people watching movies over there. And the amazing tie-in to accounting is thanks to a story on going concern. So that the star of this movie, Simu Liu, 
he used to be an accountant at Deloitte. So he pivoted from being an accountant to being an actor. Yeah. And he talks about this in a Reddit AMA and an interview with The Globe and Mail. He talks about how he went to business school and then he got a job at Deloitte and he hated it. He says, (laughs) yes, he says, I quote, I remember being in the offices of Deloitte, counting down the seconds until five o'clock or whatever time it would be that I could finally leave and just feeling miserable every day at the office, feeling like I wasn't where I wanted to be. He worked there for like eight months and then they did layoffs and he got laid off. And he said, quote, it was honestly in many ways a relief, unquote. And that's when he decided to pursue acting after working at Deloitte in Toronto. Deloitte in Canada turned this guy into a superhero. And here's the best part. Not only was he an accountant at Deloitte, or I don't know exactly what he was doing. He was working at Deloitte after business school. When he started his acting career, he did a stock photo shoot. And one of the photos ended up being on the cover of the book using QuickBooks Accountant 2015 for Accounting. And there's a picture of the cover of this book in the Going Concern article. And here he is, the star of Shang-Chi, Simu Liu, using a laptop and smiling while two other people are looking down and smiling at the screen. And they're obviously you know, reconciling transactions in QuickBooks. So I went on Amazon and there are still copies of this book available for sale. So I ordered one and it's coming today. Amazing. I, I, think, I think it will someday be very valuable. <laughs> but I want somebody to Photoshop the cover of this book. Maybe I'll go on like Fiverr and, and find somebody to do this to Photoshop Simu Liu looking with his costume on, you know? Like Shang-Chi. So is this going to turn like all the big four employees? You know, like when you go to LA and you go to a restaurant and every bartender and every waiter and waitress, they're like, yeah, I'm really an actor and actress. I'm just doing this. Is that going to be like every conversation at the, at the big four now? Yeah, I'm just doing this. I'm really an actor. I'm an actress. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, it's, it's just the best. It's like, and you know, you know how every superhero has like the thing that turned them into the hero, right? It's like, or the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it was the, the ooze that turned them into the turtles or the the mutant turtles. They were just little baby turtles before that. Or it was like Spider-Man got bit by a radioactive spider and that turned him into Spider-Man. And he worked for Deloitte and that turned him into a superhero. <laughs> and he, yeah, exactly. Working for Deloitte for eight months turned him into a Marvel superhero. That's great. Uh, so in, since we're covering movie news, mm-hmm. good news, the sequel to the 2016 action film, The Accountant starring Ben Affleck is in development at Warner Brothers. So ben Affleck, Flack, or Ben, ben Affleck? Affleck? Sorry, Ben Affleck. I would say Ben Affleck, Affleck like the, is like the, the uh, duck. You know, the, <laughs> yeah, the duck. <laughs> I mean, That's the name of the duck. About. It doesn't matter. So yeah. <laughs> they've signed a deal with the writer, and the producers are in place. So it started. They haven't uh, signed any of the talent yet, but the the writers are working on the script. So it's going to happen. We're going to get the accountant too. And I actually just put a post up on LinkedIn because Ben Affleck did it again. Um, ben Affleck. No, I think you said it right that time. Oh, I did. Okay, Ben Affleck. What? Are, what? What is his best accounting movie? Because he's done some of all fears. He's done Paycheck. He's done The Accountant, and he's done Goodwill Hunting. So I have a poll on LinkedIn if anybody wants to jump in and take place. But what about for you, Blake? Which one? Which one of those four movies is uh, his best? Wait, what are the options? Uh, some of all fears. Get it? Some of all. I, have, I haven't right? seen that. Paycheck. Yeah. I haven't seen that. The Accountant. <laughs> I saw that. And Goodwill Hunting. I saw that. Well. I mean, Goodwill Hunting. I haven't seen half the movies there, but Goodwill Hunting is amazing. It's a great movie. I think Goodwill Hunting is is the one. I agree. So, well, that's the thing. Like, 
you know, Ben Affleck is really good at playing an accountant because he's not really a great actor. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you don't have much of a personality. It's pretty easy just to stare and look very serious and like talk about numbers, you know. Uh, don't hate me for that, everyone. But if you want to let me know what you think about that potentially controversial opinion, you can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Blake T. Oliver. What about you, David? I'm all the, all the socials at David Leary. If you uh, track me down, friend me up on LinkedIn, just say not a bot. That's the way to do it. Um, we got some feedback from listeners who reached out to us and chatted with us. And we love hearing from you. And I want to read some of that feedback. So this is from Amy. Amy said, this week's podcast was another good one. Loved the part about the sorority treasurer. I think this is referencing that TikTok treasure, a story we talked about. Thanks for pointing out the positives of Greek life. While there's plenty of time for partying, there's also plenty of leadership training for those who are interested. I'm an advisor for my old chapter at Texas A&M and would hire most of our treasurers in a heartbeat. They are smart, organized, and truly eager to do a great job. I am hoping that they go get their big four training, then come back to me when they're ready for some work-life balance. It's funny. So after that, we recorded that episode and you said that you were the treasurer for your fraternity. Yes. Right? And we talked about that episode. I was chatting with my wife a lot of, a little bit about this. And so she was actually coincidentally the treasurer for her sorority as well. And she actually worked for Arthur Anderson for a little while because of it. She almost went down the accounting path. Amazing. Here is a comment from Jep05F. I just stumbled across this podcast today. Great stuff you two are discussing here. As somebody in their first year of public accounting and about to get my CPA, passed the exams already, this is incredibly relevant information about the industry and the issues facing the profession. I love hearing that young accountants, CPAs, are, are listening to the show. Thank you for listening and, and thank you for sharing that. And that's all that I have this week. I know last week I said I would get to this Drake software tax prep fee survey results, and I missed it. I didn't get to it. Uh, I blame... Blame Shang-Chi and Simu Liu and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, it was just too One exciting. One day we should have like a cutting that. room floor episode. Because like there's articles <laughs> that like I know I'm like, oh, we, yeah. you get to that week, you're like, we don't have time to talk about this today. Like where we just get all the, the, all the scraps and we do one episode of all the scraps. I mean, I have like dozens and dozens of stories that I had to just not talk about that I would talk about forever. So I have a story about Bank of America who just is filing all these patents. Basically, the patents are what all these new fintech companies are doing. So instead of building software to compete with them, they're just going to patent what they're doing and then sue them for some money. <laughs> that sounds like a bank. Yeah, that sounds like the way they would do it. I mean, I have stories about like um, COVID vaccinations being required at KPMG and Deloitte. No time to talk about that. Oh, what happened when states cut unemployment benefits? Did it actually limit the job growth or not? No time to talk about that. Maybe maybe we, we do like a th uh, Thanksgiving weekend. If it's a little quiet, we do the leftovers episode. Thanksgiving leftovers. I love it. Okay. I'm going to save these. I'm not going to throw them out. Perfect. Beautiful. All right. Well, David, yeah, I'll see you here. Same time, same place next week. Time for the classifieds. If you're looking to fast track a scalable seven-figure accounting firm that doesn't drive you into the ground, check out Ryan Lazanis's online coaching membership, Future Firm Accelerate. Designed around Ryan's experience taking his cloud firm from scratch to sale so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You'll get online learning and topics that help you automate and systemize all aspects of your firm. You'll get coaching when you need help with implementation. And you'll also join a collaborative community of hundreds of other forward-thinking firm owners. 
For more details, head over to www.futurefirmaccelerate.com. That is www.futurefirmaccelerate.com. I quickly wanted to let you know about a new project that I've been working on for the last year or so. I'm launching a podcast network called Accounting Podcast Network. It has new podcasts that I know you'll love, like the Accounting Salon Conversations podcast hosted by Amanda Aguilar and the Accounting Automation Workflows podcast co-hosted by Brian Clare and Heather Satterley. Head over to accountingpodcastnetwork.com. That's accountingpodcastnetwork.com. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.